G'day and welcome to Formula Bums. My name is Jacko and with me this afternoon is Andy. How are you, man? I'm in a better mood than I've ever been. Well, you had a surprisingly lucky weekend. What happened to you? So I was in Brisbane on Saturday night and the game I was filming for work happened to finish a day early because we are doing the Sheffield Shield. So I hastily packed my shit, ran to the airport and got to fly home, got home at 1.30 in the morning and got to stay up and watch Bathurst. First time in how many years? Like seven years. <laughs> seven year, first time in seven years I've been able to watch the holy race of Australian motorsport. And it was a good one. Oh, it was great. It was an absolutely brilliant one. But unfortunately, that's not what we're here to talk about. We've got to do the news. That is first. So, so time to pull the band-aid off. Yeah, we better rip it off pretty hard. This Danny is Rick is not going to be on the grid for next year. This is possibly the saddest dick, Danny Rick moment we've ever shared together yeah but i mean it's like the second worst kept secret on the f1 grid at this moment yeah look i mean i'm still shocked because there was so much in me that was like surely surely he's something's like someone's going to get fired someone's going to get stabbed in the back they're going to move this man in like eventually i was waiting for something very f1 to happen yeah i thought estevan's contract would have been torn up that i you know maybe I wouldn't have shocked me if he ended up in Ferrari somehow. I've said that a few times, but yeah. you just know how these things go. So, our boy, the man we started this podcast for, won't be racing. He'll probably be at Mercedes as a reserve at this rate because he's in advanced talks to take that role from Nick, who is part of the second piece of news. Yes, and let, let's be real. Everything with the driver's market that we're going to cover, nothing is shocking. We've no. got Alpine... Snagging Pierre, therefore... Or 10 million euro. Well, that's his buyout fee. Yep. So that's going straight in the pocket of the Dietrich. Red Bull. Yeah, Dietrich. <laughs> We've also got... yeah, And he signed on a multi-year deal. So let's just safely assume it's two to three years. It's only going to be two to three. Because if it's a single-year deal, they, they tell would. us. And if it was more than three, three years, they'll be announcing it's a five-year contract. Pretty much. And we we have enough evidence to say he's probably signed for three. It's Alpine. That's, you know, they, they've clearly stated that that's the only person they really want to work with. We want him. We'll keep him. Yep. And it led to, about 30 minutes later, the news that Nick DeVries has signed with the AlphaTauri. Again, obviously. Like, genuinely, of course that was going to happen. I do want to break this down a little bit because we've spoken so much about who will go where. But what are your thoughts for the young men jumping into these seats in regards to their career? So, full context, Pierre is leaving the Red Bull family the team that, one, took him to the sport, promoted him to the top leagues, fired him back to the little leagues of the sport. What's your take on his kind of career trajectory now he's made the switch? Well, he was never going to move back to Red Bull, was he? And he's a fighter. He wants that world championship. This is probably the best move to make if he wants to at least attempt for it. Alpine's probably the fourth strongest car on the grid at the moment. And, yeah, like he was never getting back into Max's. Yeah, it is. Checo's seat. Like, it wasn't an option. It wasn't an option. It's been stated multiple times he had a poor attitude at Red Bull and they weren't willing to bring him back. And I kind of have sat with... I, I mean, I'm a Pierre fan and I, I still am going to be a Pierre fan. It's hard not to be. He yeah. likes everything. <laughs> not us yet. We need he to get will. him to like us. He will. 
he'll hear all this really nice things we say about him and he'll like us. Yes, hopefully, because I had been saying for the last year or two, both before we started the show and during the show, that I would love to see him stay at AlphaTauri, bring that team up into the top flight and do something spectacular there. However, this year's shown that AlphaTauri hasn't adapted to these new regulations. They've probably had the worst adaptation from the last couple of years to this year. Them and M- McLaren are probably the ones that have gone the most backwards. Yeah. Yeah, and like uh, I know that a lot of the Intel will be like, oh, Mercedes, but going from first to third isn't that big of a deal. No. <laughs> so, Pierre making this move. And they're going to finish second. What are you talking about? Exactly. The pricks are so consistent, they're going to finish second. And Even when Ferrari they can just crank start. out a fifth place. <laughs> and it's all because Ferrari can't finish a race. Mm. Ferrari. I'm happy for Pierre. Who, who wouldn't be? He's in a team that's clearly... Wants him, that must be a nice feeling for a change. And that Alpine's looking good. I mean, Otmar's a tool, but he's a good team principal. I'll tell you what, before we get into the race talk, obviously there was the delay and they spoke to a bunch of team principals. Otmar was the only one that I thought, well, I wasn't really paying attention to it, <laughs> to be honest, but the Otmar interview, it made the most sense. He was just like, just throw him out there on wets and just see what happens. It's going to be pretty evident pretty quickly if you can race or not. You know what yep. I mean? And Lewis pretty much came out on Instagram live and said the same thing. Yeah. Like he put up a story being like, let us go. We'll tell you if we can do it or not. Exactly. And pretty much everyone except for 15th and back was like, yeah, let's go racing. Yeah. <laughs> 15th and back were like, we can't see anything. And yeah, like, even Valtteri's just like, I can't see. And he's he's finished. He's used to that sort of condition. Yeah, right? It's That's just no haze. So, we, yeah, Pierre's moved. Nick's coming into the sport. I I'm like stoked this for him. Move. I, yeah, me too. He was a phenomenal. I have two reasons why. Another Nick on the grid is the first one? No. Okay, go. First one is is he did so well at Williams in Monza that I was just like, you know what? I'm sold on this kid. Let's get him a drive. Second, it's a Toto boy moving to the enemy. That's my biggest like. Okay. To- that The Red Bull have just snagged Toto's. Wonder boy. Well, I wouldn't say Wonder Boy because if he was his Wonder Boy, he'd be in the sport already. But yeah. this is a, this is a Toto Boy, if, through and through, and he's won Mercedes World Championship in Formula E. Yep. Like, even though Formula E sucks, doodle. It look Formula E is a terrible sport. Yep. But you still won it. Like that's the thing. You're talented. I um. He's I was also the first Dutch World Champion, which is so good. Which is so good. Max is a. And based off your points, your points of, you know, being the enemy and stuff, I watched this kid through F2. He had a dominating year when he won that championship and there was nowhere for him to go but another sport, essentially. Yeah, it was bullcrap. Um, so the fact that Wait. he's managed to come back in and get a seat. Dumb question. Yeah. Was he, did he dominate in 2019 or 2020? It was 2019, wasn't it? Yes. Why couldn't he take Latifi's seat? Because Latifi didn't light the world up in 2019. No, but when Latifi came into the sport, Nick was already under contract at Formula E racing for them. But didn't Nick come in in 2020? Or am I a year out here? I think he came 2020. No, this is his third year. So Nick must have been 2018 world champion then. Let me check. No, because I feel like Latifi raced Formula 2 in 2019. Latifi raced a lot of Formula 2, my man. I know, I know, but it, so I'm looking for when he jumped to Formula One. Yeah, he jumped to Formula One in 2020. So that must mean 2019, Nick DeVries won the the world title for. Formula yes, he did. Two. 
So okay. he won in 2019. So why are Williams going for Nicholas Latifi instead of the world champion Nick DeVries? Explain that one to me. Right. No, and here's the reason. I genuinely think he was announced, bef- like he was signed to the Mercedes team. So it was George. Yep. George was already sitting in that seat. Look, I don't agree with it, but you've asked the question. I'm trying to find a way to justify it. I'm just trying to absolutely tear your answer apart. Look, you're doing a good job. I'm currently scrolling through Wikipedia at an alarming pace trying to find any form of justification here. Here's why. Because most people in this sport don't know what they're doing. Well, clearly, (laughs) well, it was Claire Williams running it, wasn't it? Wasn't it when Nick signed? Yes. Yes, it would have been. There's your answer. One of the worst team principles to ever exist. And the worst part about Claire is one of the most likable people ever in the sport. Yep. But she didn't didn't do a good job running a team. She didn't follow her father's footsteps well at all. No, no, not at all. And look, that's not a dig at her. It's just Frank was really good when Frank ran the team. And he was. And he was. And that's the thing too. It's not a dig at Claire, but you didn't do what was required to keep that team in in a good position. And yes, there's slight other factors, but it was... Part of it was sticking so closely to the fact that we're going to manufacture everything ourselves when not a single other team was doing had that. that philosophy. And also they're, re- they're absolute reliant on pay drivers through that period too because pay drivers are inherently worse than good drivers. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. We've made it very, very clear that we don't believe there should be a single pay driver. pay drivers in the top flight of motorsport. Yes, buy, bring, bring buy an F2 team. Buy an F3 team. That's fine. That's what it's there for. But if you're coming into the sport, have merit and just have backing behind Especially you. Especially when there's only 20. Now, if yeah. there was 26 cars, yeah, we could suffer two. Yeah. But we there's su- only 20. We could suffer two in one team and that'd be Aston. Yep. That's, a, that's I guess, our take on the driver's move. This is Claire Williams' fault that Danny's out of a seat. God damn it. There's your takeaway from this episode. But, you know, there is one man who can save us. There is one man. Gunter. No. Oh. I don't think that Haas... <laughs> Danny and that Haas are not going to gel well. No, not at all. But there is a team that is struggling. Yep. They have a very poor driver. Yes. Next to a really great driver next year. And this great driver has just moved to that team next year. You saying Aston? I'm saying Sackland Stroll. Oh, wait, to be fair, we've been saying Sackland Stroll before Danny ever lost his seat. I uh, know. We've been saying Sackland Stroll... Since before we thought about doing a show, we're like, this guy sucks. But you suck. You, you have the awkward conversation, Lawrence, and you throw whatever you're paying your son plus another $10 million at Danny and be like, come race with us. Alonzo's seen something in that team. He has. Because Alonzo's not going to leave the fourth best team on the grid for the second worst team on you the grid. You are right. But this is me just... I want to make something very clear about Alonzo. That man is... Insane. No, he's not. Good insane, but he's also insane. No. <laughs> so, like... Fernando's my hero. <laughs> look, I love Fernando. I don't think there's anybody out there who, when the announcement came that he was coming back, wasn't like, oh, yeah, we're on for a absolute belter here because that man is a lunatic. He's one of the best lunatics I've ever seen, but he is. He's absolutely nuts. Him, like, all the examples, his radio behavior at McLaren, mental. His whole idea of being like, I'm just going to cut the corner. I know they can't stop me. Ludicrous. His whole being like, get behind the train, boys. This is the Fernando Alonso show. Again, just still fantastic to this day. But again, the active memory, because every other driver in the world is told, get out of the way. Now, I'm sure they're on the radio the whole time being like, move, man. And he was like, oh, sorry, radio off. 
radio machine broke. <laughs> He'd be like Paul DeResta in that DTM race that Rocket Power Mohawk showed me, showed us in his last video. Oh, yeah. Just he rolling just, roadblock. No, no, no. So, Paul, it, this is a great video. So, it's a, it's a DTM race or a world endurance driver race. Yep. And he's coming on the radio. He's coming up to the pits. He's like, do I pit? Do I pit? And you clearly hear them say no. So, what does Paul do? Oh, he pits. He pits. And there's no one in there. And he's on the radio <laughs> going, I can't, there's no one here. I'm in the pits. I'm in the pits. And then he goes on a massive George Russell type sook about it. And he's just like, my radio is broken. But how can we hear you if your radio is broken, mate? We can hear every word you're saying. I still think the best we can't hear you is where Kimmy was talking to Ferrari being like, do I do this or that? They're like, we can't hear you, Kimmy. Do this. He's like, what? Wasn't that, no, wasn't that Sauber like two years ago? Was it Sauber? Oh, I thought it was his nah. early Ferrari. No, I Must feel have like been it Sauber. was uh, like his first year at... Um, Look, I can confirm it was a red car. I would feel... I feel like it's Alfa Romeo, <laughs> yeah. Possibly, but essentially he was saying... what? Are, asking a question. They were answering it perfectly, being like, Kimmy, we can't hear you do this. He's like, you can't hear me. Why are you answering me perfectly? And they then someone was like, don't worry about it. And it was just... Paul Kimmy was like, what is going on? <laughs> I miss Kimmy. And so still did the Japanese fans. Did still you the last the Ferrari champion. Did you see the uh, the sign in the crowd? I think it had some water damage on it when I saw it. But it said something like, "We miss you, Kimmy. We love you, Kimmy." Oh, how good! Also, I know we're gonna we'll break the race down in a little bit more detail later. But massive shout out to the Japanese fans. Man, I would have left in that rain. I would have left in that rain. I don't like water to begin with. If it's heavily pouring on my head, I'm probably leaving. But not only that, the sheer amount of creativity that every single one of those guys brings to the track, you saw like face masks of front bumpers. They were like hat, hats. Lego hat. Everything. Like genuinely, there were signs of everything. Not a single flare. Every Grand Prix this year we've seen on Reddit, someone post up a terrible experience of crowd behavior. Haven't seen a thing yet. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. Did we see any in Singapore though? No, but again, culturally similar to the Japanese in regards to public behavior. You just like hurt every one of their ancestors by saying they're similar. Said culturally similar to their yeah, public that's behavior. En- that's enough. Very. I'm doing as many caveats as I can here to toe the line. And I like to think for a dumb an Australian, that's as good as we're going to get. That's probably as close to whatever we're going to get. That's what we're going to get. And if we're not here next week... All their ancestors will cry. We, we've, we've deserved that. <laughs> <laughs> if we're not here next week... We're going to see if we can do our own rocket power mohawk. He can get away with murder. He's so good, that man. He, he tweeted some pretty funny shit during the race. What other stuff has popped up? What other news do we need to talk about? What other news do we need to talk about, indeed? Uh, well, let's actually look into Budget Gate. We didn't discuss this, right? And it's kind of been lost after this weekend. There's only one thing we need to talk about with Budget Gate. Aston we... went over. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at no. I don't even care that. The only thing I want to talk about is Ferrari and Matiba not coming out and saying, if any team has breached the rules, we demand clear transparency because it's the right thing to do. 2019. 2019. 2019. 2019. Now, we've what, what's changed? So much allegedly on this show. They cheated. They were allegedly. They, they No, it's not allegedly. They were proven they cheated in of their course. engine. But they didn't have to disclose any details about what it was or the punishment. Yeah. Now they're calling for full penetration. Now, yeah, not full penetration. 
<laughs> I went to say transparency. Uh, but. <laughs> well, that, that's it. Matteo wants full penetration. He into wants this. to see what's going on. Are you caught around the chair? I've untangled myself. I've managed to tangle myself in my mic cord. Wow. Yes. There's been alleged that two teams have breached the cost cap from last year. Yep. One being Red Bull, one being Aston Martin. Now and the Aston one is a minor breach. It's and been it's under like five million. Yep. And the Red Bull one is alleged to be over five million. Yeah, so it's meant to be like over the five percent limit for for minor and major. I think where it was quoted at like seven point five mil over, which I mean, yeah, that's a bad thing, but I don't think it should cost Max a championship. It should be punishable next year when they lose. They should lose that much money in their next year budget cap. I think that's the right thing to do. Also, where we're at at this point now, this all occurred before this race weekend, and it sort of got lost in the news shuffle. It really did. Now, I remember that F one announced, or not F one, the FIA announced that they were going to release the documents and their findings, and yep. they missed that date. Yeah, they announced on that date that they were going to push it to, I think, today or tomorrow. So we don't. At this point, we don't know exactly what. We haven't even had it confirmed that they were over the budget cap. Red Bull has come out with some preliminary statements, essentially going along the lines of, these budget caps are up to an extreme amount of interpretation, and under our interpretation of this rule set, everything was accounted for. Yeah. So what it really sounds like, and yeah, I am a little bit Red Bull biased. Do I think they've done it? I don't care. We'll see what the data says. That's that's the real takeaway from this. Yeah, I they have that. the documents. They will find out and punishments will be had. But do I think that F1 is a poorly enough run organization that these things can be left up to interpretation? Yes. Because we can't even get the points right half the weekends. No shit. <laughs> so, in all reality, my take on it is, well, until we have the evidence and the discussions, no one knows anything more and than anyone else. They need to release all of it, not just like their fine. I don't think they should fi- release their findings. They should release every document submitted. Yep. Unredacted. And okay. Just, but, and then... Because these aren't technical release, documents. Release these are financials. Yeah, but, and also release your punishment for the teams that have gone over. We, everyone needs to know. Show, show everything. Make and it completely transparent like one sneaky Bernardo wanted. And while you're releasing those documents, release the 2019 ones at the same time. Please. And we're all good. And I don't think there'll be any complaints there. I hate cheating in all its forms. Yes. There's only it's one sport that should be allowed cheating in. Baseball. No. Oh, which one? I was going to say MMA with roids. I, first because of all, I think that would be awesome. On my other show, I've made it very clear that I think every sport should have roids mandatory, including the Olympics. I've, I, and I've make it more interesting. As I said, it's clay pigeon shooting, but the pigeons are real and they're on steroids. Feel like it'd be more, <laughs> more entertaining. You're right. I want a horse with a twelve pack baby. That's equestrian. All in all, no one's shocked. Everyone's trying to bend the rules. It's what the sport's famous for. It's one of the dirtiest cheating sports that have ever existed. Yep. It's now Red Bull's turn to get caught. It's the same thing like it was Ferrari two years ago. I'm sure it will be a Mercedes eventually. Everybody does it. Start posting the truth and the findings, and also. Everyone shut up about it. We don't know. Trial by fans. Everyone would be dead. Only Mick would survive. No, see, what you do... 
is you. I was trying. You, you've got the fucking fan boost thing in Formula E. Why can't we have fan adjudication? You all submit an email. You're all eligible to be a part of this. To to adjudicate. It's a jury of two million. Not even that. You just you pull. You put every email that signs up for it into a random generator. You pull a thousand out or a thousand and one out, so that you definitely have a consensus agreement. Yep. And you just you email them like you have been selected to adjudicate on this. Thing. Here's the evidence. Please vote via this link. Do you know what my favorite thing is too? When you when you sign up for that, you have to select your favorite team. And the best part is everyone who clicks Aston Martin, you're denied because they go, No, that's no one's favorite team. You're lying. You're yeah. clearly <laughs> you're clearly biased. No one actually <laughs> everyone who's like, I'm an Aston Martin, they're like, No, you're not allowed in this because either you're lying or you're an idiot. <laughs> yep. That's it for the news, right? I can't think of anything else to be honest. We should probably talk about the race. All right, so ten, uh, it was 11.15 that it kicked off in it Australia. It was incredible, and I want to make it very, very clear. Cam Waters had pole. Yep. But the right car won. It was. Mount Panorama happened this weekend. The most important race of all time. So we're going to talk about it. If you're here solely for F1, I'm not going to apologize. We told you to watch Bathurst. We and told you this was happening. And I got to watch it, so we're damn sure going to talk about it. We need it. to talk about it. For context, for those who did watch it or those who have no idea what we're talking about, Bathurst was this weekend. It's a 1,000-kilometer race, 161 laps, up the side of a mountain, down the side of a mountain, across the bottom of the mountain, back up again. It rained more than it's ever rained the week leading up to this in every session except for the race. It rained so much, a water main broke and flooded part of the track that they couldn't fix. And you know what the best part about it was? They went racing. They went racing <laughs> on time. <laughs> Every <laughs> single crazy person out there went, oh, this is fine. Let's go. You know who was in race control over the weekend? Michael Massey. No wonder everything went well. Everything went fine. It was a fantastic race. Six and a half hours of perfection. And if you're like, man, I couldn't c- commit to a six and a half race... Watch until the first racing lap happens, which is about lap 17. Yeah. You will have seen everything a motorsport has to offer. You'll see a racing incident which takes out a NASCAR-style crash. You will see one of the craziest, most dangerous bits of driving with a young kid entering the track at about 250, knee-deep in mud with no control, smashing two other cars. And taking out a race favorite as well in that process. Yeah, it was Scotty Reynolds, wasn't it? David Reynolds. Reynolds. Yeah, took out Dave Reynolds in that. We also, it's the end of an Australian icon, this race. The Australian Supercars built its back on racing the Ford Falcon and the Holden Commodore. Now, Ford Australia closed down years ago, and they've been racing under the Mustangs. Mustang body type. However, uh, General Motors a few years ago decided that Holden was no longer profitable for them, and they've shut down Holden production, and this was the final year that a Commodore would race Mount Panorama. And it doesn't mean that the engine manufacturer is gone because Holden is part of GMC. So they're, they're bringing, basically going from a Holden to a Chevy Camaro next yep. year. So it's still G- GM Motors, but you it, know what? The Australian branding aspect is gone, and the unique Australian body types they didn't use anywhere else is oh. also gone. So we're, we lost an icon. We did get to see the Lewis Hamilton of Australian supercars do his thing. Well, I wouldn't say he's Lewis. I'd say he's the Max right now. And they're friends. And they, they are, are friends. Shane Vigisbergen is a Kiwi man who is a freak. One of the best closed wheel drivers we've ever seen. He won a rally stage of the weekend before. Yeah, he was literally rallying last weekend. 
And now he's come to Mount Panorama and has dominated with Garth Tander, who is another a race, legend of the sport, a Holden icon. He has never deferred from Holden. And do you know what the crazy part about this weekend for Tander was? That was his 100th podium of all time. Coming back as a reserve driver, 57th filling in. win. Insane. Fifth Bathurst win. That's incredible. He's up there with Brock. He's up there with Lounsey and Wing Cup now as well, and which he deserves to be. And. We know this is supposed to be about F1, but you need to get on the on the train of this. This race is like nothing you've ever seen. It's like Monaco if it was good. Seriously, there's no there's no runoff except for like a few parts. And these runoff parts were swamps. If you got in there, you were gone. Yeah, like literally Zane Goddard got in there and caused a pretty be- pretty dangerous accident. I am... S- and because Australian supercars, it's not uncommon for two drivers to sort it out in the sheds. I am blown away that that kid got away with no one going up to him. I think it's only because his team sent him to say sorry to every person he could find. I think so too. But even if he, if I'd have been in that smashed, if I, if I was the car he T-boned, there's no way he wasn't getting a smack. Do you know what? I think the only thing that saved him is it was co-drivers or co-drivers. Yeah, if that had been Dave Reynolds in there, Dave Reynolds would have got out and fucking beat the shit out of him. Yep. And you know what I mean? Like, mm. also... There was just one of the most hard luck race cars you've ever seen. Oh, Mark Winterbottom, known as Frosty, was never the cause or effect of every accident, but every time someone crashed, someone else ran into him and smashed his car up. He had more tape than aero left on that car by the end. By the way, we should mention that uh, instead of you know replacing the front ends and stuff in V8 supercars, duct tape. they literally duct tape the cars back it's together. It's just everything gets tape on, or every now and then they'll just cut off a piece of bodywork and be like, don't worry about it, uh, boys, we're still going. Bit more tape. There you go. Your aerodynamics is back. It's fantastic, to be honest. Yep, it is. It's really good racing. And yep, uh, We love F1 because it's so technical and so engineeringly diverse and out the front. But this is a sport where you can literally smash it up. That, that first incident... About 17 cars went front to end, and yep. all of them drove off. Well, if you were a Holden, you drove off. If you are a Ford, you were There was one cooked. Ford who somehow wasn't even that super involved, got Beat. sent off, tapped the wall, the car turned off, and it never worked again. Yep. Uh, was that, that was Randall's car, wasn't it? It was Randall's car, but... And no one cared. <laughs> it was all the co-drivers. It was all co-drivers at that point, pretty much. Except for Wing Cup. Except for Wing Cup, who did a perfect pirouette, hit nothing, and binned it up the straight... Uh, Beamed it up the straight. Just kept going. Just kept going along the straight because it's up mountain straight. So you're also going up a mountain at this point. Yep. And it's not like like you look at it on TV and it's like, oh, there's not that much. There's fucking heaps of elevation on that part of the track. They were saying something like 515 feet. It's mental. Um, And it's steep. A lot of the corners are blind. Yep. And it was just, it was one of the best Bathurst weekends I have in living memory. It's the best one I've had for a long time because I actually got to watch it. Yep. (laughs) And it was fun. Also... We are going to talk about the Sky Broadcast this weekend because we were lucky enough to watch the entire Bathurst race switch over to the Sky Broadcast straight afterwards, and there is no comparison in the levels of quality. Scaithy and Crompton, way better than Crafty and Brindle. I just really, because now let's let's jump into kind of talking about the real Suzuka, and we are going to start with the broadcast because we were about to go racing. Everything was ready to go racing. And then the race was suspended. The race was suspended. And we're going to talk about the race in in itself. I want to talk about the the Sky production team that just had no real idea what to do. So we It's like they then, weren't in con- in communication with the FIA or the race stewards or anyone at all. And look, 
I'm sure that they are very, very popular for the people they buy. So if you're a British fan who likes the British drivers, I'm sure they are hitting all the marks that you want. I'm not knocking them for that. What I am knocking them for is we don't watch this sport for you. No. So when there's no racing happening, why do we just cut to all of you standing around talking about nothing, making up scenarios and ideas instead of just rolling all the fantastic scripted production you've done all weekend, all the interviews, all the special tidbits, all the historical footage, all the overlay interviews, all the sit-down one-on-ones where it's actually good content. Show us that. Don't just fucking sit there and be like, oh, well, if this race doesn't restart, there's going to be no points of water. But if we get two green flag laps and first place will get I don't give a shit. And I don't give a shit. And it turned out they got full points anyway. As the rules stated. Yeah, like they just, they, it's like they don't even read the fucking rule. And what's funny is I remember they cut to Crofty when he was explaining the points. And Crofty had the sporting regulation right in front of him. He read it word for word and still managed to say, yeah, they'll only get half points at this point. And that's the thing. We, we talk regularly. We make this show. Yep. We edit this because we know that there is a product we are trying to put out that is enjoyable and listenable. Yep. We don't ever put out unedited things. Normally, it's full of swear words and horrible jokes we make that we're like, oh, no, that's an Australian-only thing. Yep. But it's not us awkwardly standing there being like, so, man, I guess that's it for the show. Do you want to talk about the same thing again and just say nothing new for the next 45 minutes while we wait? No, I don't. And we... we well, too bad. <laughs> but, and then the other thing, too, is we've just come from watching seven and a half hours of Bathurst where the, the, the broadcast was on point every moment. Scafey and Crompton, the, the main callers, have the best banter. Yep. And for, if you don't know who they really are, Mark Scaife, a racer who was a legend in his own right, who has turned into a phenomenal broadcaster. And just know he knows the sport inside and out. He went from being a driver to a team owner, to a team owner, team driver, co-driver, and is now the lead, like, lead color commentator for Fox and, and V8s. he wasn't driving that long ago. No. Everybody likes Brundle. I like Brundle. He's the best bit of the Crofty and Brundle thing. Without Brundle, Crofty would be unbearable. He's pretty much unbearable as it is. You know what point I'm trying to yeah, make Yeah, I know here, what right? you're trying to make. Brundle hasn't been in a car in 15 years. Yeah, he's old. He stopped racing in the 80s, right? Well, early 90s at most. Yeah. And if I'm wrong, 97 is early 90s. Get fucked. <laughs> nah, I think it was like... 93, 94, yep. to be honest. Scafey was racing 2003. Scafey finished race. He's, he retired in 2010. There you go. From full time and then co-drove until like 2015 or something. So he has so much knowledge of these vehicles and how they work and feel. And he was one of the lead helpers when they were designing the new cars and the new car regulations and stuff. Yep. This guy knows these cars inside and out. And let's not even start on how good their pit lane reporter is. Well... Even Neil Crompton, the main commentator or host, should we say, of yes. supercars of the Australian Supercars Championship, he's an ex-racer. He wasn't phenomenal. But he's, he's got Bathurst podiums. That's the thing. He's got enough clout to know. And then he dedicated his career solely to becoming a really, really good broadcaster. And he's phenomenal. He is. Also, the pit commentator. You, you've got Karun or something on the Sky, the sky Pad or whatever they're called. Yep. I don't care about the Skypad. You know what I like? I like the Hino Hub with Larco. The Hino Hub with Larco is incredible because, one, he knows how the 
the smart board works. He can work the fancy technology machine. He can. He knows how it works. <laughs> You're not wrong. And secondly, it's not just a replay thing. He sets up, it's like a three to five minute TED talk where he goes, hey, this thing's happened in the race. So let's say a front suspension wishbone breaks. No one knows what the hell that is. He will stand there with a broken and a normal wishbone and show you why this one's a good one why this one's broken and how it affects the cars and then he'll draw it on the board from memory yep. and show you the G-forces and goes, and this is why it's dangerous or this is why we need a new one. He will do pit strategy and explain exactly how cars get in and out and why they get in and out and the different variations you can make. Yeah. And you know what else he does? He gets up there and he gets the pit strategy. He's like, all right, here's, here's the seven-hour race. Here's what everyone's been doing all this. Here is the critical lap that if you fill up here, you will just make it home. Yep. So this is where I think everyone should be pitting. And, and he's, he's not wrong often. No, he's not. And this in Bathurst in particular, you know what he did? He said around one one seventeen to one twenty, if there's a safety car, you bring your car in. And wouldn't you know Alex and Will Davison put their car in the wall on lap one eighteen. Yep. So what did everyone do? They Bought came in and pit. In. It is just and that's the thing too. It's not a pro- perfect broadcast, you know. Yeah, I know. He had one mistake all weekend. Yeah. He had a he had a board of every car. He had a picture of every car and he put a cross on it if they were involved in an incident. And car twenty two was involved in many incidents, but he refused to put the cross on it. Which it, also it's a lovely car too. It's the Coca Cola sponsored car. And Scafe and Crompton kept saying, Hey, that they, they, they've had issues. They've had issues and he's just like, No, they haven't. No, they haven't. I'm ignoring all of this. <laughs> it's great. So in it other is, words, we need Mark Larkham in Formula One. We need the whole crew. Bring everybody. Scafie's called a free practice session in um, Abu Dhabi, and yep. it was fantastic. He had no idea what he was talking about, and it's still better than Crofty. Yep, it was just it was shocking. Now let's move on to the actual breakdown of this race. Okay, so Shane Van Gisbergen came first. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's be real. Let's be real. So Suzuka. It was wet. Now, if we take away the FIA... And we take away the broadcast and we look at what happened on track. It was a very fun race. For the 45 minutes that they ran. Yes, that was fantastic. Had a great time. The racing on track was awesome. There was a lot going on. There was plenty of strategy. It was very interesting. The weather was a good aspect of it. It was actually well done. Everything around that, infuriating as a viewer. Oh, it was just genuinely infuriating to watch how the ball was dropped by so many places and so many different things. I'm not saying that they should have raced in those conditions. Visibility was horrible No, when you, they initially went out. It was poor, but you know what? You, if you ever feel useless in this world, just remember there's extreme wet tires in Formula 1. There is the, the blue stripe Pirellis. That, now, no. they were used for like two laps because you have to start under them Use them if you're starting under the safety car in wet weather. And Must be used. But they were in inter-conditions. They at were point. at that stage. Really what happened is they went out for the formation lap. Yeah, so the formation lap, they got the they got the lights out and away we go. We got to... So turn one, Seb spun. And I was not shocked in the slightest. Spinar. And then they got through the S's. They got through to the hairpin... Which I always thought was 130R, but turns out it wasn't. 130R is a little bit further down it's the road. It's like right near the chicane at the end, yeah. Yes. I, I learnt that over the week. But um, 
Yeah, so they get through the hairpin and then they get onto that back straight and that's when Carlos goes off, isn't it? He does. Coming up to 130R. He skittles off with a spin and smacks into the wall pretty hard. So what he did was he took strategy out of Ferrari's hands. He just retired his own way. He looked around and went, you know what? What's the bloody point? Yep. And then I'm not getting my time wasted in this weather for no result. I'll see you next week. Yep. So he's binned it. He bins it into the wall. Red flag. No. Yellow flag. Yellow flag safety cars called because also Alexander Albon's car shut off. Yes. And there was something else that happened. Oh, yeah. Pierre had the Rolex board on him. Now, where did that come from? Was that from Carlos's crash? Because I watched a few replays, right? And then suddenly it's just Pierre with a full-on advertisement board stuck to the front of his car. I tell you what, it was a bold strategy to see if that would work aerodynamically. (laughs) I tell you what, it definitely had more downforce than the Williams. You know what, my Commodore has more downforce <laughs> than the Williams. Speaking of which, yeah, rolling back into Bathurst, I drive. A, I proudly drive a Holden Commodore. The classic bomby. I love my Bombardier. As this is happening, they have, um, I think at this point, so it's a yellow flag, Pierre Pitts, he gets rid of the Rolex board, <laughs> changes the front wing, <laughs> changes to full wets from, from Inters, because they've all started on Inters. Keep that in mind. Yep. So he changes to the full wets and he takes off and he gets he just starts spying around for the safety car. At this point, they red flag the race. Yes. So everyone's meant to slow down, come in the pits, put the tents up. You and know, under a red flag, delta conditions are in effect. Yes. You go back to your delta time, and the, the delta times, it's pretty fucking slow. Yeah, it's a percentage of your max speed that I think you it's reduce like by forty percent. Yeah. You're doing 40% pace or something. So it's, it's not a speed limit. It's actually a lap time limit. And you're still doing 100 to 150, as Carlos said. Yeah. Like you, it's, it's very quick. You're still going faster than your road car. Oh, without a doubt. But the issue we're coming up with here is... I don't, I don't want to speculate here, and I don't want to get this wrong, so this has all got a bland, allegedly tag onto it. Okay. Because we still don't know what the s- situation is. Either the FIA has approved that this tractor will go out onto the track to get Carlos's car, or the Japanese marshals have got the tractor. And Essentially, just... the boss of the marshals, who's called like the field marquee, I yeah, believe. Yeah, so- someone has approved a tractor to go out onto the track while, while the, cars the cars are going are on track. Who, in about thirty seconds, will be in the pits. Yes, and they can't see shit. You can't. Look at the onboards. Yes, the drivers have slightly better visibility than the onboards. We know that. But on the onboards, you can see not the edge of the other side of the road. Yep. You can only see the side the car's on. The other side of the road, covered in rain. And we have a very scary moment where Pierre Gasly, who is happens to just be on the correct side of the road at this point, zooms through, and at the last second, you see the tractor on the other side of the road. There was a huge amount of focus on Gasly going past this track vehicle. But there were six other... Six drivers went whipping past it. And seen it. Yep. That's not including the other drivers who didn't see it. And that's the thing. It's not that we're saying other drivers didn't drive past it. They clearly didn't see it. And it has flashing lights on it. Yeah. Not many, but it has flashing lights. The same as an F1 car. And in 2014, a car struck... A stationary tractor at this circuit. And Under yellows, wasn't it, as well? Yeah, double wave yellows. And unfortunately, Jules lost his life. And that is what everyone has been talking about. And the drivers all are in like a WhatsApp group or something. And they were all visibly pissed about this. 
we and F1, the sport that we talk about and have decided to get involved with, is supposed to be the absolute best at everything when it comes to motorsport. It's supposed to be the best racing. It's supposed to be the safest, the quickest, the most engineered. Uh, just for reference, I've pulled up the photo. Yeah, you can barely... I can't for even example, see the flashing light. They have circled it in red so you can make it out through the mist. And you still can't really make it out. It's it's just there. There is no way at all that any vehicle, apart from the medical and the safety car, because they're also race vehicles, yeah, should be on the track when those F1 cars are out there. We know how hard those things are to drive. In fact, the whole reason that thing was on track was because Carlos made a mistake. Yeah. And he's really, really, really good. He is really, really good. And that's... Normally, we're joking. Normally, we like to have a lot of fun with this, but it is that exact thing that has caused one of the people who do this for our entertainment to lose their life. And it's, it, it shouldn't be a thing anymore. The sport's... We're better than that. and The sport needs to be better than that because it's supposed to be the pinnacle showing the rest of every other organization out there, this is how you do it. Yep. This and is how you get people entertained and keep everyone safe. And they just... Yeah, it, it could have been a really scary situation. And drivers like your favourite, Lando, Lewis, um, Pierre, Carlos, they've all come out in a ge- like defiance of this. Like, no, this isn't on. And, and I think the drivers really need to take a stand on this and t- tell the FIA, D- don't do this again. Yep. Like, we're done with really this shit. And really where it has to come from. It needs to be the drivers coming forward being like, hey, we've lost a friend because of this. We ain't losing anyone else. Figure it out. What really frustrated me is that a lot of drivers drove past it. Only thing Sky wanted to talk about was how dangerous Pierre was. Now, credit to Karun for coming out and being like, look, I understand that he was going pretty quick, but the issue here is a truck on the yeah. field, nothing else. Then you had idiots who I can't stand, like Johnny Herbert come out and be like, well, you know, back in my day, what you do is you'd really... And here's the thing. That dude nearly got cleaned up. He's clearly shaken. Very terrified from what just happened. And the only thing that whole broadcast wanted to talk about was why it was his fault. And it wasn't his fault. It was the truck driver's fault. The truck driver's fault and whoever, and maybe not even him. He couldn't clearly see that there was anything on track. It was whoever sat there and went, go. Yeah. That's what the issue was there. These cars have transponders that even Sky can see. How did we not look at the trap mat and go, man, there's cars out there. Wait 25 seconds. But that's where the fault has to lie. In the decision makers who put these scenarios in place. Yeah. We had to stop this race because it was too dangerous to drive. That was the whole reason we couldn't even start this thing in the first place. It's a load of poo-poo in my book. They should have just been racing. And then, following on from that, we had the most awkward, horrible Sky broadcast we've had all year of... People blaming Gasly and everyone talking about everything else and making stuff up. There was yep. a discussion of points. There was a discussion of this. There was everything that happened. And yep. then we finally got to go racing. Yeah. For 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Now, I'm not going to lie. 45 minutes after watching six hours of racing, very nice end to my day. It's not what I signed up for, though. It's not what those guys sign up to do. However... It was perfectly timed because the check flag had flown at Bathurst, the podium had just got finished. I switched it over and boom, they were about to go racing. Honestly, as an Australian, it was one of the best F1 weekends ever because we missed nothing. Didn't miss We got to see 
two awesome races, back to back, no gaps. It was great. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. However, we had a 45 minute race. Although, if you look at the official race time, it's three hours, it's one minute, really 44 me. seconds. <laughs> it really frustrates me because the F1 race can only be done in three hours for some reason. That, that, well, that's the rule we need to talk about now because it's the dumbest rule I have. Now, I would get it with an F2 race having a time limit because there's more stuff happening later. Nothing's but, happening after this, right? Yeah, I, I think it was more also the conditions and the weather and light. Yeah. No lights on these cars. No, there is no lights on these cars. There's not enough lighting around Suzuka to have a night race. True. But can't we go... Well, we know these races don't end at sunset, right? There's not, hey, at that three hours, it's actually dark. At that three hours, there's three hours till it gets dark. Probably like two hours. Oh. So the, the race was due to start two, two o'clock Japanese time. Yep. Two to five. You probably only had another hour max. Of light, to be honest. Hours fine. But an hour would have finished the race. Because we got up to, we clicked about three quarters, pretty much, I think, a lap. lap we were like 30-something. Out of 53. So that's what I mean. We were nearly at three quarters. We got a good amount of racing yeah, According in. to Sky, it was only half points. After Spa last year, and everything that went on there, the FIA came out and made some very clear delineations. If a race is stopped and not cannot be resumed, this point table comes into effect. For any race that is stopped and then resumed, it will be full points regardless of the distance. Yes. That's the rules. Why didn't Sky read the rules? Well, they did. Crofty literally read it on the broadcast but got it wrong. Why didn't he read them properly? <laughs> because he didn't, have, he didn't have anyone in there to tell him <laughs> what the rule was. He just read them and then went... The table. Here's my table that I've taped to the wall. If it's this and this, I don't know how to do a crafty impression other than being a duh. Yeah, honestly. Being a duh. And it was, it took away from the race we did see. So the story of this race was once it got underway again, tyre strategy. That's what separated this race. Yeah, it, it was, it basically got down to you've got six or seven laps in left. Do you pit for a fresh set of enters or do you risk it out there? Turned out if they all pit for enters, it might have been a really interesting race. It did lead to some interesting consequences of who decided to pit. So the first man to make the jump was the bold, the brave, and the beautiful Sebastian Vettel. Well, no, no, we've got to go back to the start here. So they've all come. So once the race is resumed, yes, it's resumed under the safety car, which means they got to race on the full wets. Everyone starts on the wets, no matter what, not, no matter what the conditions are. And as everyone had clearly stated, it was basically at the crossover for enters, pretty much. So they do the first, I think it's two laps, or maybe even the first lap of racing. And as soon as that, as soon as they're coming up the straight, Seb dives in, and the goat drives in, Nicholas Latifi, and they both get inters, and they go out, and the inters are seven seconds quicker on the first lap out. Yep. Then everyone comes into the pits. Yep. Pretty much all in one. It, it's it's a mess. It's Everyone's chaos in. in there. There's uh, who was it? Lance got a unsafe release, I believe. Shout out to the Suzuka pit that allows two cars to go side by side the out whole way up and out the exit together. Because there, there should was have two been, of those. Yeah, and there should have been, you know, two prangs in the pits yep. because of and it. And there wasn't. There was enough space for them to come out and do what is traditionally an unsafe release and then for the stewards to go, man, nothing bad actually happened. They just no, drove next to each other. I thought there was a five-second penalty. Only for one. Yeah, I thought it was. Only late. for one. 
Because the other one that happened, they didn't bump or anything. They just drove next to each other yep. out away into the sunset. Rain set. Not sun. Rain no set. sun. Into the rain set. So, yeah. so And, and then it left uh, Mick, Danny, and Joe still running around. It and was literally at the, end the of most likable podium we nearly could have had. If they had stopped the race. Which they should have for that podium. However, next lap through, Danny and Joe come in and they Haas come on and leave leave Mick out saying, we're waiting for the safety car. And when it comes to Haas, it's a strategy that pays off for them pretty regularly because they've been the team to make points in the past by going, you know what, stay out. Something may happen. It normally works for them. And it's a really safe bet though, isn't it? Yeah, Nicholas was on the track. You're still out there. So you're <laughs> like, it was a safe bet. Unfortunately, this time though, it was the wrong call. Because Mick's not bad in the wet, clearly. Every time it rains, he puts on an okay-ish performance. And I think it's because other teams drop the ball around them. Yeah, but I think this time Haas dropped the ball. It was clearly not going to have a safety car. Cars were staying on track. Cars were quicker. Max caught up to him pretty quickly. Within I mean, two laps, Max was on his ass. The the inters were significant. I mean, seven seconds on the first lap. They only got quicker from there because the track dried even more. Exactly. So, And we sort of settled into a pattern after that. It wasn't a terrible pattern. But it, it was pretty much Max was making a lead. And comfortably maintaining it. Charles's Ferrari did not cope well with the Inters and they fell off pretty quick. Yeah, but he was managed he was good enough to hold off Sergio for the majority. Esteban did something I've never seen Esteban ever do, and that's put up a fight against Lewis. I was shocked. So I messaged you going, Is this the first time this has ever happened? And I replied like, Yeah, absolutely, because traditionally he just lets Lewis by. He normally lets Lewis by. And we've even gone on a conspiracy being like, it's a backdoor Toto deal. If he's behind you, let him through. Everyone else block. Yeah. He he blocked Lewis for the whole race. Yeah. Lewis just couldn't get by. Not at all. Couldn't. And like, could get a couple of looks. But that was it. It was just a, it was a look here, a look there. Only looks. I mean, Albon, he was out before the race really began. And so was Ch- Carlos. They... Nothing for them. They they were the two DNFs. But surprisingly, in such shocking weather, remarkably high finish rate. Yeah, eighteen finishes, all on the lead lap. What what I felt really bad for Mick is he ended up coming in last because of that decision. It wasn't like he dropped back six or seven places. Second last. Second last. Pierre was last. Pierre was last. Yeah. What happened there? He just couldn't recover after the I incident. Don't, I think his car just didn't work in that weather. It didn't. It was a home race for Yuki. Look, it was. I wouldn't say it's a disappointing show for you, but that was about what is average. Yeah, 13. Outside the point, hanging around there, it was fine. The Alpha Tower is not a good car this year. No. Which is, sucks, because one, it's one of the best looking, and we tipped it for our secret. It was just the opposite secret. It's the dark horse for the worst car. It's an actual year. dark horse. Not like a dark horse. Wait, hold on. I don't... It's the horse with the broken leg. It's a lame horse. It's a lame horse. Where was interesting, though? Where it was interesting was slightly back from the leaders. Are you talking around six, seven, eight? Yes. Well, I want to talk about eighth before we get into six and seven because I got a lot more about six and seven. All right, let's talk about eight. Eighth was George Russell, the squid. Here's the only thing I want to say at George Russell: if you have to come on the radio and talk about how good your overtake is for a position that doesn't matter, that's why I don't like you. Yes, but I also want to comment that when he came in for inters. He was adamant that he didn't want Inters. 
He was adamant that this was a bad choice. I believe choice. he said it was the worst choice the team has ever made. Or something pretty severe. It wasn't like, I think he, this is wrong. He should have just gone against the team and then told me it was a bad idea. <laughs> because he would have finished down where Mick was. And yep. that would have made me happy. Do you know what? Because Danny would have got a point. You think it's a bad idea, George, but at least don't be a coward and actually go against them. Yeah. Do that next time. Lewis will do it. Max would do it. Yeah. Are you going to be a world champion or are you going to be a pleb? I hope not. I hope not. Valtteri, go against it. I just, I am tempted to send George Russell a Christmas card this year of the quote that he made where Mercedes should not be competing for ninth place. And here's the thing. He only just got above ninth place. Oh, he was there pretty comfortably. He was on the arse of Fernando pretty much within a second, and Nicholas was 30-something seconds behind him because that's where Nicholas deserves to be. Well, Nick scored points. So he's not 21st in the championship anymore. He's tied with Nick, and Nick has a better finish rate. I'd have Nick in 20th. Yeah, oh, DeVries, 100%. DeVries has a 100% finish rate in the points. 100% point finishing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's incredible. No one's ever done that before. So uh, coming could, in the sport, 100% leave. Could uh, Nicholas or Albon get sick again so that Nick can come in, score more points, and get ahead of him again? I mean, look, they just spent a weekend in the rain. That's cold material right there, son. Please. Uh, very, very, very good weekend for Alpine. Yeah, they, they nullified what happened last weekend yep. pretty much. Yeah, without a doubt. So Esteban qualified fifth, finished fourth. Yep. Fernando probably should have finished sixth. However, that might be the closest non-first second time split I've ever seen. So that was, was for sixth and seventh. Yeah. And it was what? So Sebastian finished 46 point. 358 down from the leader. Thank you. And Fernando, he finished... 46.369. Nice. I know, right? <laughs> I nearly wrote nice next nice. to this. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I would have on the website. Hey, Travi, if you listen, that's a dinner for two right there. Win-win. <laughs> We're nearly 30, man. I know. <laughs> we still make that shit. I'm 30 next month, literally. <laughs> uh, but no, it was a fantastic weekend. Ocon defended against Lewis. For never the first time before. ever. And really well. Really, really well. I mean, fourth in a car that sucks is awesome. Like that's as good as it gets, right? Yeah, that's about where the Alpine is. But I think the more impressive drive is that Aston drive by Seb, spinning lap one and recovering to sixth, and being the first to go in and switch tires, just making the call. I'm coming in. Let's go. I think his lack of giving a shit is really helping him. I think so. He's he he's was the just kinder. Going by his gut now, which is what won him four world championships. And also, he he actually made an announcement this weekend. He'd consider a one-off return if it was at Suzuka. Yeah, I'm down for that. I'd be down for more Seb. I like Seb. I'm a big I, fan of Seb. I know your dad doesn't, but we <sighs> do. Oh, my Lord. But then again, my dad doesn't like Max Verstappen, and he's just wrong. Yeah, of course. Who'd, why would you not like Max Verstappen? He's the best. McLaren, it wasn't terrible. Not great. Oh, I mean, let's put it this way. If Lando could have got off his ass and passed that Williams, then Danny probably could have got passed that Williams. Points. Yeah. But Lando, being a little shit, didn't get past fucking a Williams. Told you. He's no good, man. 
I've been saying it forever. Can't drive in the wet. From where, where was last lap Lando when we needed him? Could have punted Nicholas off. Like he should have. <laughs> Vengeance. <laughs> Something. Look, I'm not I'm not too worried about where McLaren came. They did okay. Yeah. They did okay. Mr. Does really well in the wet came 12th. Oh, my Lord. How can you do really well in the wet if you're coming 12th? As I said, he drove well in the wet once or twice. And look, online there's been a lot of people coming up being like, he got a podium for Williams. It's like, yes, but he's also... That's the thing. He may have been decent back then but in the last three years have we seen anything except for one good drive no no but not really but even then had we seen anything bar more than one good drive no we didn't not really we seen one good drive at monzo when he got that podium at williams in a williams that wasn't shit let's you gotta remember that williams wasn't shit no it was a good williams as that was the last good williams like yeah, he got fucking a podium, big whoop. Felipe Massa was driving the balls off and getting points probably every other weekend. Yep. So, Shogun, I mean, the real disappointment was Alfa Romeo. That car clearly doesn't cope well in these conditions. It doesn't cope well in many conditions by the look of it. <laughs> it well, have they brought any upgrades since the start of the year? They did one lot, but I don't think they were major. And they haven't popped up into the news I remember that though because one of the episodes I did research for was Valtteri coming out earlier in the year saying we're bringing a package next weekend, but it wasn't major. Yeah. It I was floor stuff. And I haven't seen anything about an Alfa Romeo upgrade since. And Alfa Romeo at the start of the year was saying our car is helped by the fact the Ferrari engine so powerful. And now most of the other cars have got out their power unit wrinkles and they're and, exceeding it. Yeah. And now Alfa Romeo is exactly finishing where I thought it would. Right near the bottom. Yeah. Pretty much right near the bottom. Which is, one, it's sad because Joe has had a pretty up and down rookie season just with reliability more than anything else. Yeah, but he does get the second season. He does get the second season, which is good. And Valtteri, I think he's still outperforming that car, even though the performances are pretty low for the most part. I'd agree. It's the same as when, like, same as K-Mag, right? The Haas is clearly a very track-specific car. Even Haas has come out and said that, look, we know where we're going to be strong this year. We have a few ideas because that's what we focused on because we don't have any money. Yeah. Although they should have some a little bit of money next year with their... They did announce the new title sponsor. Or they did, We and we spoke about it. Yeah, well, that, that's money coming into the team. They'll probably get some few, a few more sponsors next year as well, depending on who they sign into that second seat. That's really it. I mean, be smart, sign someone with some backing, or pick up Mick and sell it to more Germans. I mean, that Schumacher name must carry some weight in Germany. Surely, like it's Michael Schumacher's kid. And sure, we, sure, he's, and he's very likable. He's very, he is talented. All things considered, he's I'm a Formula saying, Two world champion. Yeah, he's not untalented. He's clearly been put into one of the worst cars that have ever been on a Formula 1 grid. Haas has never had a competitive car. They've had yeah. cars that have been more competitive, but you can never say they've had a competitive podium car. Yeah. And, al- and also, last year, comparing him to Nikita Mazepin is... Not fair. Not, but it wasn't fair. It's not fair to compare Mick to Mazepin. Mazepin. And K-Mag, again, is a hard comparison to make. K-Mag has heaps more experience... But he also took a year off. These are fresh cars, so it is kind of even. Yep. But here's the thing. K-Mag knows a lot of the tracks a lot better. Mm-hmm. So we'll, ju- we'll just say it was... And that was it for the race, I think. That was all that happened, wasn't it? 
Oh, there was one other thing too. Max won the world championship. Did oh, you yeah. know that? And they managed to botch that real bad too. Thanks, Johnny. Uncle Johnny. Oh no, my God. no. I've been watching too many episodes of Uncle Roger. We cannot call him Uncle Johnny. Uncle, Uncle Roger's heaps better, and I think he knows more about F1 than Johnny Herbert does as well. Yes, and he only bestows the uncle title on people who have proven themselves, and Johnny hasn't. Not at all. Has he won a world championship? No. No. That's Damon Hill I'm thinking of, and he sucks too. Damon's better than Johnny. Yes, he is. Max Verstappen, 2022 world champion. Never Vi- had any doubt. Via a, a dumb penalty, but Honestly, it was probably deserved. Look, that's the crux of it. Charles, he was struggling with his tyres the whole race. Him in the Ferrari strategy team were discussing whether it's worth coming in or not. Of they course, sh- that discussion happened for about 45 minutes. But it, but also at that point, too, it wasn't... I get where Ferrari was coming from. If Charles had done the pit stop, right? I'm not saying Ferrari made the bad choice. I'm saying they spoke about it for a long they time. They did. But the, what the, the crux of it was, was it was a debate of pitting Charles and Charles dropping to about eighth place. And then fighting back up. And then fighting back up with the amount of time left. And as they talked about it, it became less and less apparent that you could pit and still make those places up because Charles was still fighting for second. He needed to finish second to keep it alive. And he did cross the line second. But just before that in the last corner, he went off-road a little bit. That wasn't the big deal there. How he re-entered, that re-entry essentially blocked Sergio from any opportunity to get past. The penalty was given for leaving in a track and gaining an advantage. Yes, because he came out and finished further ahead than he was when Sergio was yep. entering the corner. Yep, and that was simply because Sergio had to get on the brakes. Yes, and in saying that, it was a clear-cut clear penalty, but they had to note it, then put it under investigation. And then as they're interviewing Max after he's crossed the line, keeping in mind Sky still thinks they're only getting half points because they didn't read the rules. Yes. It pops up at the top of the thing, Charles five-second penalty. No one's thinking about it. No one reads it. If I'm the producer, I'm screaming at Johnny. And you are a producer. I am a producer. I'm screaming, yo, five-second penalty for Charles. Max is probably champion. You need to talk to him about this. But Johnny just says, see ya. Come over here, Checo. And starts talking to Checo. And then mid-interview, he has to stop because they have to bring Max back in. And they're like, hey, Max, you just won the world championship. And Max is like, wait, what, really? Yes. It was... Shocking. It frustrates me so much because last year's, even though the result was decided last year's, last year it couldn't be a true celebration because there was all this talks about is it legal, is it not legal, right? Very marred by controversy. It was a win. This year, a dominating win. One of the most dominating title championships we've ever seen. Yeah. He found out off the cuff and the worst part was, while some people were telling him yes, other people were telling him no. In the cool-down room, he was still unsure if he was champion or not. This man has just resealed his legacy. He stepped into his own. He is now a multi-championship winner. In one of the most, in one of the best performances we've watched. Yep. No fireworks, no cheers, no celebrations, no nothing. Congrats, man. You know what I would have done in this situation? Not tell him. Wait until the podium and then announce it then. Yeah, exactly. And what I would have done, right, is like, all right, we got the podium out of the way. Here's your winner, Max Verstappen. Here's second, Sergio. They do a celebration. 
Let them do the celebration and then... More have, champagne. No. Let me finish instead of you interrupting me. More champagne. <laughs> so I just muted Jack. This <laughs> is so good. <laughs> all right. So what I would have done, you had this podium celebrations. You have, you have them all celebrate sh- champagne. Fucking, we are. Have the interviews up there. Call, hey. call Sergio. Uh, call Charles over. Hey man, rough thing with the penalty. Hope you're not feeling too bad. Right, right. Do your interview there. Then call Sergio over. Make sure they leave and get off the podium. Right, and then maybe leave Sergio up there because he's the same team. But you know, have Sergio over, give him the interview, send him on his way. Come, Max. Max comes over. Hey, man, congratulations! And then have the banners behind him explode with world champion. Hell yeah! And be like, you've just won the world championship, and just that would have been better. It just was. It was so anticlimactic. It was like the NRL grand final. Yeah, yeah. It it was and. And it was all because Sky couldn't read the fucking rules and realize it was going to be four points. Only broadcast we're allowed to watch. So if you listen in another language and you watch a different broadcast, maybe it was dope. Maybe it, it was been. unreal. But because Sky is the world feed, it fucking they dropped the ball. They really did. And like you know, Max deserved better. Any, and that's the thing. We're saying Max deserved better. Any world champion from anything that they've ever done deserves better than that. You are now the best human this year to do what you do. And that's it. Like, if you're the best nurse in the world, if you're the best teacher, if you're the best NRL player, whatever you're doing, you deserve more than that. Yeah. And the other thing too is, is coming into the, like coming through to Lewis domination, they always knew, didn't they? They always knew Lewis was winning. And, and they, they always knew. Graphs they knew exactly paperwork. what had to happen so Lewis would win. And they never got it wrong. And the second time Max wins the title, they got it completely wrong because they can't read a single rule. Which the FI which clarified. Which they would have cla- which would have clarified this whole fucking mess. And it was. It was a really big letdown. One as fans of the sport. Well, I mean, look at what fucking hat I'm wearing. Yeah, a Red Bull hat. I'm wearing no, I'm not just wearing a Red Bull hat. I'm wearing the Max Verstappen Red Bull hat. And the championship hat too. Yeah, with the big the number, number one, one on it. You know what I mean? Like he he. I'm a Max fan. I like Max. I think Max is the best. I want. He deserved more. Fireworks, donuts, the whole shebang. Yeah. This was a championship that you dominated from That's a like b- race he three. He didn't even get to do doughies. I mean, he's not allowed to do doughies till Abu Dhabi because he blows his engine. Yes. We are going to get the doughies. I, I hope that next race at Coda, there's a little bit more of a ceremony or celebrate or something to kind of just be like, you were standing on the ground in the rain with nothing really going on and you had some absolute toss to be like, oh, and by the way, man, you win. Ha uh-huh, good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I like, mean, you're right because Johnny is a tosser. He is. Straight up. He, every time he comes, as I said, Pierre went through a very, very dangerous situation that he wasn't in the wrong for and all Johnny wanted to do was talk about how when he did it, he would have done it better and differently and this is all Pierre's fault and it took three of the other Sky members to be like, let's move on because all he did was hammer the point. Like I am. <laughs> All right. Well, in saying that, we're going to move on from Formula One and go back to Bathurst. <laughs> Great celebration. Fantastic celebration. Podium. We knew who won. It was very obvious. You know what I noticed about that podium? What did you notice? 
Second and third both got a trophy each, but uh, first place only got one trophy. Yeah, they have to share. It's real weird. Yeah, it's really weird. You'd think that the ones that get the two are the winners. You know <laughs> what I mean? Anything else you want to say about Suzuka this weekend? Um, Why do we have to go on monsoon season? It seems like the last few races have had some form of weather. Yeah. Or at least weather comes into Suzuka a lot more than it does at any other track. Yep. Maybe a calendar adjustment because clearly we can do that. Yeah, why can't we do Japan, China, Singapore all in the same time frame? They're in right Australia, next to each in, other. In Australia, put all four in the same. And bring Malaysia back. That was dope too. It's in the middle of us. Yeah. Let's do that. That's the last. That's why one of the better Tilka drones as well because Tilka designed Malaysia. Yeah, and it's a good one too. Yeah, it's sick. You got two long straights, a hairpin, technical bit. It's fun. Yep. Look, all in all, race itself, good. Yep. Possibly the worst broadcast and the worst championship announcement we've ever seen. Oh, by far. Now, what do we have to talk about now? We've got a new segment. We have five-star reviews. Oh, yeah. We've got a five-star review. Now, I, full disclosure, you you said we'd got one, and then you said you wouldn't tell me who it was, and then I hacked into our own website to try and find it, but because I'm an idiot, I couldn't find where it is on our website. So, I got sent to my email. Right. Okay. Well, I don't have that. I so, we've got five stars. Hold up. Let me find it. If it's my mum, I'm going to be devastated. Oh, it's not her. Okay. Here, do you, are you ready for the five-star review? Five-star review. Lay it on me. What do we get? You guys don't ever leave any mess at my house and give Andy someone else to talk about F1 to. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> so your partner's gone, thanks for coming around. Thanks for not making... <laughs> do you know what? <laughs> There's no other podcast out there that's ever been rated five stars because of their cleanliness and their behavior in the studio. So you know what? I'm very happy with that. <laughs> oh, that's so much better than I thought it was going to be. Top five message. Oh, I've, I rate that five star review five stars. That, that's very kind. Top five. Top five. I like it. She did poisonous though. One. <laughs> and it wasn't even that bad and you ate the cupcake and didn't realize. Yeah, it. no, if they never told me it was cornflour, I'd keep going. Should have. <laughs> Should've I just did. Ate it. I finished the whole thing. Right, Andy, if you've got nothing more to say apart from this, watch Bathurst Supercars is awesome. Yeah. That's basically it. Maybe we should start a Formula Supercars or some shit. I, <laughs> I'm not kidding, man. I've been trying to find a way to get bums in the supercars somehow because Formula Bums was like lightning in a bottle. Great name, right? You can't get better than that. So I've been trying to find a way to be like... V8 bar. I've, I've been trying to workshop it because I would love to expand what we do to talk about our other things. And I think it would also be pretty fair for the people who are like, yeah, I'm going to sacrifice some time to listen to these guys talk about my favorite sport. And then we don't. Yeah. We will see you. There's no race this weekend coming up. We're uh, off to Cota the week after, aren't yeah, we? Yeah. So in, hold on, let me get the thing up. 13 days, 10 hours, 6 minutes and 52 seconds. Lights out. Lights out. Unless it's raining. Yeah. But it's... Austin, Texas. I don't think we have to worry about that. Now that you've said it, man. It's going to be pissing down. But we should, <laughs> we should just have the return of Michael Massey. But it's America. They don't care about safety. They'll be like, race. Just fucking do it. But we will see you all for our code to preview. Thank you very much, guys. Please check out our website and our social medias. If you leave us a five-star review, we'll read it. We just did. Say whatever you want. Yeah, tell and us if you want us to come to your house and leave it clean and give you your boyfriend something to talk to, Hit us up. Yep. 
We probably won't do it. 